This is the St. Luligan Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Show Up Make Noise. My name is Zach. I'm Rick. And I am Sam. I didn't know if we uh, we, totally, we we totally got lost in the beginning. Usually, it's me that fucks it up. Uh, but uh, we are here. Uh, we are in Schlafly uh, Tap Room, right across the street from the absolutely gorgeous um, St. Louis City SC Stadium that we just took a tour around. Uh, and we are uh, joined by, as I coined on uh, Twitter today, the world's most positive human being, Matt Baker. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. I am staring at our future home that I just got a tour of and I could not be happier right now. That was a pretty neat tour. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the MLS apologist. I'm not usually the guy that, uh, rep city all that much. It was a pretty neat tour. What do, what do we think about it guys? Uh, I was not prepared for how below ground that playing surface is. I think that was my biggest takeaway is, just how much digging they had to do to get all of this stadium into position the way it needs to be. Yeah, and you, you don't really feel it when you're you know in the stadium and when you're on the pitch and you're, you're walking around. You don't really feel it, but there were a couple of places where when we were going around the concourse and you look to the side and like a car drives by and I caught like the top of the truck and I'm like, oh shit, we're several, several feet below ground level here. Yeah, I think that we had gone, we had started it through the tunnel and we came through pitch level and then we went up a set of stairs and went to the supporters section. And then we went back through the center of the stadium and went up two more flights of stairs. And then we got to a section that said we were at 22nd Street ground level. And that really confused me because it didn't seem like we were that terribly far below ground. Yeah, definitely my calves and thighs. We just want to say that you missed two flights of stairs. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, I totally agree with Rick, how underground <laughs> a little bit of it feels. And I, to me, the coolest part of that whole thing was walking through the tunnel through every bit of this construction. That tunnel has been the thing that you're, you're talking about that goes under market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that whole walking down the ramp underneath the tunnel and then walking straight out through the support that entrance where you've all seen it because city posted the, the drone flight, mm-hmm. you know, basically from that area uh, straight up through the stadium. And it, it, it feels just as cool to walk it as it did when you saw it on the first time on the drone flight. I'm admittedly always going to be sentimental about it, but that, that point of it being so far below ground is perfect because what it used to be this site, was a complete wasteland of highway on and off ramps that was useless to all but uh, the drivers in and out of the city and for, for like 50 years. And all of a sudden, we got to experience a little bit of what it's going to be like now and for future generations. And the way that they utilized the lowest level of that previous failed uh, interchange is nothing short of marvelous. Yeah, I where you walk in again that that kind of tunnel area that you've all seen if you've looked through pictures of the stadium where you walk through that area is just because you're coming out of the practice fields because we walk through the where the training center is going to be and all the way down through the practice fields and all of that was just as matt said totally useless ground like it was just nothing there it was just ground around highway interchanges and now that's going to be somewhere where 
you know, probably two, three hundred dollars, three, two to three hundred days a year. There's going to be soccer being played on those fields. And that's a really cool idea. Like the fact that, that there are going to be people in and around Union Station all the time, a place where I used to work and, you know, no one really wanted to go hang out. That That's a really cool thing for St. Louis in general. Yeah, it was really nice to hear that after decades of highway on and off ramps and a reconstruction, we're getting authentic grass being grown in the city and people are going to be doing things on that real grass. Yeah, for sure. Like three different fields of real grass. Mm-hmm. You've got the stadium. You have uh, two vertical pitches south of market, which will be practice fields one and two, and then a turf field below that. But three real grass fields. It's a lot of grass in the city, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also, I like, I didn't realize when they were going through this that they, like step one was level everything. Like they, nothing that's out here is something that they were given to work with. Like they completely flattened it and then built everything up the way they wanted it. Yeah. I think just in, in general, I, again, I'm, I'm the cynic for sure of the group, but I think that getting to walk through something that I feel like many of us who were St. Louis soccer fans for long, any amount of time wanted to see the teams that we had getting recognized to the way that this team will be, recognized in this stadium you know like what we always wanted at st louis fc we were never going to get that kind of stadium for that team louisville you know they won like three championships and they got a gorgeous stadium but we were never going to get that here for usl and to to see what that's going to be is really really cool and to get to walk through the bones of that as it's as it's getting built is is a little awe-inspiring yeah and it's a huge campus like i i had no idea just how big like spatially that the whole thing really is yeah cbex said 39 acres is that is that a number that i'm yes. making up yeah sounds about right you're not making it up that's what he said okay yeah but i mean so when you you're coming across 40 and you're like okay you see the stadium and then you just see a lot of land but like you can't do the math on it because it's all just flat dirt and rock right now uh as all the, the practice facilities come to life, you come down through downtown and you come up along the side of the stadium, but the stadium's so big, you don't see any of the campus on the other side of it. So like I never grasped just the sheer size of everything, you know, in the three training fields and the stadium and the, all the practice uh, buildings and the, the front office and just everything. It's absolutely massive to stand in the middle of and look around. Yeah, it's, Again, I, I worked in Union Station for quite a few years, and I always felt like I had a pretty good grasp of the size of that building and, and all of it. But when you think about it, it's all of Union Station plus all of that train shed, basically that area just directly next to that on the other side of that ground. There's so much room there and the, the training facility and how they were talking about what that um, you know, if you're on a rehab bike, you can basically be on the field with the rest of your team because it's these kind of glass open doors. They're going to, you know, um, make it feel like everybody's part of a thing. It, it's all marketing. <laughs> you know, um, we'll go back to Zach's cynicism. It's all marketing. But at the same time, it's fun to imagine what that would be, you know, 
for some of these kids that are playing, you know, for our youth teams right now. We're going to go watch that St. Louis Derby on St. Louis uh, on St. Louis on Saturday. We're going to go do the St. Louis uh, youth Derby on Saturday. So uh, that soccer park at three o'clock. Is that when the tailgate starts? Anybody? Anybody? Tailgate starts then. First match is at five, I think. Cool. So yeah, if uh, if you're in town this weekend, go check that out. Um, a little bit of plug for them guys. Uh, for them guys, we've been drinking, and all, all of a sudden, Zach just <laughs> it's totally forgotten how to talk. Them St. Uh, Louis boys. Them St. Louis boys. Uh, but Matt, you look like you had something to say on the uh, on that kind of training area over there. Well, I, I I'm reminded of just the whole tour workflow, the tour flow of. They, they gathered us in a uh, kind of a construction tent, almost like a, a, a set south southwest of the practice fields. And we when we were getting ready, a tour was finishing up. And so City today, uh, recording on Thursday, they've done three tours today. The Academy kids got a tour this morning, which is awesome to think about. Um, and the media... Uh, was touring right before us. And so Channel 4, I saw 2 and 11, uh, Post-Dispatch, KMOX, they were all finishing up. And so when we started, I was kind of, I don't know if they intended this or not, but I thought it was really cool how we started well south of the practice fields. And the first thing we saw was headquarters and the training facilities. So it was almost like designed to start with corporate, start with the business side of it, and then you dovetail into the training aspect where they're constructing the training facility now. So you were talking about the recumbent bikes and everything. Well, the framework is there now on South of Market. Like I, if, if you really think about it, you can, you can envision the, the renderings as it was. So we're like ground level looking onto what will be the grass fields. And then they led you up north into the stadium. So it kind of flowed from HQ, Practice Fields Academy, into the stadium. And I thought that was a really well planned out, almost serendipitous thing because it just, it is what it is in the, in the, in the path. Well, and they've kind of talked about, um, and I think we talked about it, a fan council where Lutz kind of wants to basically put the, the team that is furthest from the first team at field three. And then as you move to field two, you're one step closer to the first team. And as you move to field one, you're one step closer even then. So it's like, you actually see the actual progression of where you're moving through that system based off of where you practice and, and what those things are. If you squint, you could see a pyramid. <laughs> we wouldn't want to talk about pyramids. Let's <laughs> say St. Louis FC uh, has had a spot in that pyramid that disappeared. So we don't want to talk about pyramids. Uh, out. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll get real sad about it. Um, but what other feelings did we have about the tour? Like what other things really stuck out to you? Um, tour wise, and I, I'll go because it seems like everybody's posture uh, thinking about something. Uh, as we were walking into the after reception area over at the um, Union Station Hotel, there, um, Johnny was saying that he felt like it seemed like the higher up you went, theoretically, the worse you know, the worse seats you went to, the better the seat got. And I think that's a really, really interesting thing to think about in that stadium is one, literally everyone who walked through there said there's not a bad seat in that stadium. And I think everybody in this room will agree there's not one bad seat in that stadium. Oh, absolutely. It's it's surprisingly small for twenty two and a half thousand people. To me, 
it just seems small. It's small, but it, I mean, so I had almost the opposite thought where the the pictures that you, so today with all the different people who had tours, Twitter, I, just, I checked Twitter before this, it's been inundated with media posting pictures and everything. So yeah. you're seeing, everybody's now seeing the latest images from within the stadium uh, from third parties. So what you see, honestly, is to me so much smaller in the images than it is in person. Yes. Like, because we got to walk through the tunnel onto the field and just kind of take it all in. So that that video that KMOX posted it earlier today where it's a walkthrough, yeah. that is such an epic experience. And and to see it all like from ground level, knowing that you're below ground, and just to take all of that in, it's 22,500 seats and media and and the canopy is gorgeous right now. It, it, to me, being in there at that level was so much bigger than anything you see on, on pictures. And I, and I don't disagree with that, but also, you know, being in sporting KC and, and being in those places, like, I don't feel like it feels smaller than that, but also without the seats and without like, I feel like Melissa is wonderful at visualizing what a thing is supposed to be. And I feel like I get so, antsy because i don't like that's not how my brain works like video wise and those types of things i could see what i want something to be but that spatial awareness of what that will all look like with twenty two thousand people in there and that kind of like i can't do it yet like that doesn't work for my head yet so does um, it does it get bigger when it's full of people i think it does so I completely understand Matt, where you're coming from, uh, but I also I had the exact opposite reaction. So we're outside of the stadium and to me, it's massive. And then we come out of the tunnel and we're standing on what is the pitch and we're looking around and it's. Again, small is not the right word. Intimate is probably the, the better word for it. I, I well, every it. every seat is within 120 feet of the field. So, yeah, and I think that's it. Like, I think I'm so used to cavernous stadiums, these huge monoliths to sport. And this is not that like this is a sanctuary like and that like that kind of old school mentality of of like this is a, a holy place, <laughs> you know, like it's small, it's intimate. You're in a place that's dedicated to a thing. Yeah, there are definitely front row seats where you could shout at a player and accidentally spit on them. These it, it goes right to the field level. Yeah, Those field level seats. I don't know. I don't know if if you heard what what Seabeck had said, but while you were walking to the player tunnel, um, do you remember walking through the player tunnel? You see those little benches to the left and right. Immediately to the left and right are the the team benches. Further to the left and rights of both of those, what looks like, and if you look at there's a picture uh, Seabeck posted on Twitter of the academy kids, what they're sitting in. Those are going to be actual seats that fans will sit in. Those, those pitch dugouts. Side, yeah, those dugout looking things are pitch side seats that fans will be in. That's crazy. It's crazy to yeah. me. <laughs> Absurd. <laughs> so, so Caleb and I were talking, we're talking about, you know, we've established that there's not a bad seat in the house. The higher up might be the better seat. Uh, it's, it's small, it's intimate, but it's going to be huge when it's full of people. So where, where the hell do you put visiting supporters as, as the old fuck you, you're a visiting supporter because you could stick them in the farthest, highest corner in the stadium and they'll have a damn fine view of the entire game. Like well, the, this stadium is designed where nothing, there's not a single bad sight line. And if you're on the West side of the stadium, almost the entire West side of the stadium at the top level 
is gorgeous panoramic views of St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, it's you get a nice view from Bush Stadium when you look out, you know, if you're directly behind home plate or anywhere adjacent, you look out, you get this really awesome view of a side of St. Louis, but it's not the sexy side of St. Louis. From where you are here, you're getting the peaks of Union Station. You're getting those cathedral points. You're getting the arch. You're getting every major viewpoint in St. Louis from the top of that stadium. And it's it's almost aggravatingly gorgeous like from, from those spots because I know I'm never going to watch a game from that spot. Um, but it, there are some really, really interesting things that the stadium will give you the opportunity to do if you have the opportunity to go move around and, and do those, you know, check out all those different sight lines. See, I don't think there's any question where the away fans are going to be. They're going to be on the east side furthest from the north end because the west side is the media side. It's the yeah, yeah. club side. Mm-hmm. It's the, yeah. the the side Johnny was talking about where that the southwest corner yeah. on that upper level is the best view where you have the arch view, you yes. have the corner pitch. Yeah. They will be directly the opposite. opposite of They'll that. be directly opposite yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what Seabeck was saying or maybe yeah. Caleb was saying was that that's, you know, basically right next to that gorgeous glass curtain but, okay, wall there. So it's not the it's not a bad seat. It's just like the least good seat yeah, you can come yeah. up with. Your back is to the panoramic view of the city, but yes. you get everything else and like, oh my God, we're in the top corner. Yeah, I mean, but like, even then it's still a great seat yeah, to a, watch. It's that. a bitch and seat to watch yeah. the game no matter where you put them. And I it's a it's a great problem to have. Yes. And I, I think it's a stadium, you know, the more people you put in there, the bigger it's gonna feel. Well and that's the a thing that I keep seeing online and I keep trying not to jump in on, but there are so many people that are not me who is not the first person to do absolutely everything when it goes online, um, who are worried about not getting seats at that stadium. And that's a good possibility for a good chunk of people who are not the crazy 25 of us who, you know, jump on the first, everything that that is available but that's by design and as you walk through that stadium you see how kind of by design that is like and i think i don't know if seabeck wants me to say it but on the tour he said this is gonna be a hot ticket in town it's designed to be a hot ticket in town it's a small stadium they didn't want 45,000 seats that they weren't going to sell out. They wanted 22,000 seats that people were going to fight over to get into. Well, you look at the the example of Nashville where they went for it for a 30,000 seat stadium that opens next year and their highest attendance this year is 29,000. Yeah. And that, that's not the problem you want to have. Exactly. And that's and I'm I'm happy. In in a way I'm very happy that St. Louis City is doing exactly what they're doing. They went small, they went intimate, they went with there's no bad seat in the house, but also there's not a lot of extra seats. And again, I feel like that's by design and I don't me personally because I I know that I'm never going to be the guy that's last in line for a seat queue. Um I like that. Like I I see that it can be problematic, but I like the problem it creates. My favorite part, I think, about this stadium, having seen it from the inside, is the fact that they want the people who are at the games to focus on the soccer game. They aren't 
unless you're in that really nice west side panoramic view seat there's not much to see the canopies kind of block out that skyline view it's not like where you're sitting in anywhere infieldish at bush stadium and you see the skyline you can see the arch there is maybe 20 seats across going up into the upper deck where you can see the arch from inside the stadium if you're at the game 99 percent of those seats say you're watching the game or hanging out with the people that you came to the game with and that's really cool uh like you go to blues games or cardinals games there's distractions away from from what's going on there or uh things that make the game kind of comical like a, a youth league hockey game happening during an intermission or I know Bush Stadium doesn't do this, but like the sausage races in Milwaukee, this stadium feels like it's about the sport that is happening inside. Well, and that's kind of where I got that cathedral feeling, because especially from the supporters end, you're looking at that glass wall, which is that just kind of huge. Again, I hate using Seabex words, but he called it like the front porch area. It's the the area facing market, and you're looking kind of at that big glass box um which again hopefully sound reverberating off of that all of that is designed to continue to build that atmosphere and i and i just it seems like they've really put in thought into what they want the people to be focusing on sound noise atmosphere being close and intimate with the game. Like all of that is very intentional. And they're driving a lot of the, the things in the concourse around that too. So when we were over near the supporter section, talking about what's going to happen at the bar behind the supporter section, very intentional to make it a a quick flowing, uh, get out at halftime, get back in. So there's going to be dual restrooms on both sides of the supporter section. There's going to be a bar that is focused on cans on quick, uh, very, very inherently get back to the seats so you can watch this the beginning of the second half. You don't want to be up and spending a lot of time in line. So they're very intentional about that so that they're facilitating the ability to watch the game nonstop. Mm-hmm. And he even mentioned order ahead options. You know, if you're walking to the game, you're in the middle of the the thing singing St. Louis are here again. Hurrah, hurrah. Uh, you can also be ordering your pizza slice or your hamburger or whatever as you're walking into the stadium, which I know Melissa will love. You know, it's not for me, but it's 100% for my fiance. She is going to love the fact that she can order food ahead and she can get keto options and she can do the CBEX had 52 different food options, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's double things. the average number of food offerings in the, in the MLS stadiums. Right. So again, it's not something I'm going to get to because I'm going to be sitting there banging on a drum for 90 minutes. But the fact that Melissa won't hate going to a stadium because she knows she can find keto food or she knows she can order ahead and go get something. All of that makes her experience better which then in turn makes my experience better <laughs> and that was one of the things that i i remember vividly telling uh Seebeck and the fx council even when they first started the council meetings was those kind of options are going to be like they need to be foundational so bush stadium does a decent job enterprise center does a decent job of informing you where your allergy foods are your your gluten-free your nut allergies your um your vegan foods where all those options are throughout the stadium. Seebeck mentioned uh, the 
north wasn't no southwest corner yes southwest corner was going to have more yeah, the, of an informational yeah the uh family services kind yes. of area yeah, yeah. so othering rooms and all that yeah, yeah and and i mean honestly that was as a as a father of a five-year-old and a two-year-old right now who are going to be seven and four when the stadium opens that's important you know i i have my own thoughts of what i want to do but ultimately like i have four season tickets now so whatever they want to do needs to be accommodated and so that that intentionality of providing a family-friendly environment and options for thinking about every single one of your customers your your fans and what they're going to need and providing options for them to make sure that they don't want to go elsewhere. So worst case scenario would be, all right, we can't go in the stadium until it starts because we need to have lunch or dinner outside elsewhere. This takes care of all of that. And I think that is, that's going to be something that drives a lot of um, attention and it gets a lot of fanfare once it actually starts to be announced the details, like what options are you going to have? Who are you going to have providing that? And that's exciting to me because it's not something that uh, a lot of people think about, but when you have to deal with that and you have to you have to think through that on a, a minute by minute basis of your life, like that is meaningful and impactful. Absolutely. And I so they mentioned another thing about they've talked about the plaza outside of the stadium, which we were very specifically told <laughs> that they call it East Plaza, but that's not what they're trying to name it. Um, Just wait till they find a corporate sponsor. Exactly. <laughs> they got to get that corporate sponsor for East Plaza. But the idea is that they're going to be food trucks. There's going to be potentially live music. There's going to be hopefully bounce houses and things for the kids that you can go out and do. And then you can get your food truck and go hang out and have a little picnic with your family outside before the game there can be things going on outside the plaza for the, you know, for those types of things. So they very much are thinking family oriented. Now, did you buy four supporter section season tickets for your family? Hell yeah, I did. I'm very proud of you. So our, uh, my youngest who's just turned two has no experience in a supporter section, but my oldest, I don't know if you guys remember my oldest from Salem's FC games the past few, the last few years. Um, she just turned five and she went, she was a season ticket holder for St. Louis FC. Um, so I know what it's like for a, a one, two, and a three-year-old, which is hit or miss. I mean, you're never going to satisfy a kid the whole time. There's a lot of holding. So I feel like I'm going to need to dedicate some uh, arm days before the season starts because there's a lot of holding of that kid. Get some just, uh, I'm just over here taking notes. So uh, go, <laughs> go on. <laughs> right. Yeah, Sam, you, Sam needs you to write the book but so it, he <laughs> understands what to do. <laughs> It's a cost benefit thing, though. You have to figure out, is your kid going to want to sit down or are they going to walk around? And I can guarantee you uh, from what my kid did that they're not going to sit still. And so a seat for a one, two, three year old is not going to happen. Um, soccer park was unique. She would run literally down the entire uh, section down to the away section 12 or whatever it was or no, 17 something um, here. It's a little less than that, but, you know. I fully envision us to be a welcoming, inclusive area in the supporter section where you stand. We're going to watch out for our own, just like we always have. And I know that she's going to have some flexibility in what she can do or what they can do in that area. So if they want to sit down in their, their area and just like, you know, sneak in a coloring book or something and then you just sit down and do it, whatever, put their headphones on and they don't have to worry about the sound, figure out something that works. But uh, the flexibility that supporter section offers and the history that I have St. Louis FC tells me it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like there's ever been 
a kid in danger in the Luligan section. And I can't speak for the rest of St. Louis support, but um, at not least, physical danger. No, I mean, we and that's that's actually something I, I we're going to get to. It's on show notes, so we will get to that eventually once we get done, um, you know, extolling the, the virtues of the, the stadium. But um, I, that's interesting. Like the fact that the Luligans have always been very family friendly and well, that's not true. The current iteration of the Luligans are very family friendly. It, so I, I don't know if, if you're going to ask this later, but when I first joined the Luligans quote unquote, or came around family friendly is not something that I inherently associated with the Luligans. And I, I didn't have anything to do necessarily with the Luligans. It was supporter groups of soccer in general. That to me was like, you have the ultra mindset of what you've seen on TV or heard on the news. Uh, you don't necessarily think of that as your as what you're getting into. But I firmly believe that that is as far from the truth as possible. And I I think that's very intentional to what our brand is. And I I very specifically say brand because I that was something in my notes. Because you're a marketing guy. Well, but it. It comes down to a little bit of the thing that is, again, we will get to and fuck it. We'll just talk about it. So we have the whole DC, uh, uh, Detroit city thing. We're just, we're just going at it. We're just going. All right. We're just going into it. Well, so the smallest window has opened and we're jumping through it. (laughs) You guys are your segues. But it's not like, it's really not about them. Like what it is, is they very much in my mind see themselves is that ultra mindset. Like they very much see themselves as we want to be the bad boys. We want to be the, you know, the, the most hated, like they legitimately put they're the most hated SG and most hated whatever on their thing. And I think they take a lot of pride in that. And that doesn't register to me. Like it just, we've joked about being the most hated, you know, and the worst in three continents and that kind of shit. But we, that's not our image. We are not, we are not ultra. And I keep seeing people in random supporters groups that pop up that talk about, Oh, I want to, you know, we want to throw all the flares and we want to do this and that. And I, I just don't <laughs> like, and I, maybe I'm the old man and you know, it's probably why I was telling Caleb, I'm going to do three years until I can retire, get enough of these young bloods in to get me out. Uh, and, and then I can retire, but I don't want to be an ultra group. I don't want to f- start fights with people. I start enough fights on Twitter and that's just cause I'm having a bad day, you know, and fuck them. Um, <laughs> Well, on the on the, the like the flare thing being ultras, like the the most recent thing I could think of that happened was in uh, there was a L.A. El Trafico where LAFC fans set off flares. Uh, I think it was LAFC fans set off flares at the Galaxy Stadium. Yeah. In their away section, and then oops, somebody threw a flare into another section, and suddenly you're throwing flares, and they're injuring other people. So like, I I get the appeal of like, oh, on video, flares look really cool. We experienced it uh, at Lindenwood where the fire fans came and they set off flares in their little section. Well, but they cool didn't, did they actually set off flares or did they set off mock flares? Cause I thought they uh, set off smoke with lights that strobe. It was uh, when they were at soccer park. Yeah. It was smoke and strobes. Okay. And they actually set off real flares at Lindenwood. 
I honestly, I don't remember. I Lindenwood is one of those rare instances where I genuinely watch the soccer game. No, I, so I don't actually, Lindenwood is totally a blur of noise to me. Like that's, it sure looked like it. It could have been (laughs) fake, but it sure looked like flares. Well, so my point is, my point is like you start doing that and like, yeah, it's, it's super fun to think and look and it's, it's, it looks visually appealing. Like that's, you see all the European uh, clubs do that Germany and Italy and it looks cool, but I just don't have any desire to have people get hurt. It's just not worth it. Like there's a, it sounds corporate to say it. And I am taking full responsibility for saying this because I'm, you know, I'm an MLS apologist, but it, it is, there's a safe way to have fun. And that doesn't, that doesn't jive with me. But see, and that's, that's the weird thing with me is that I'm not an MLS apologist, but I feel but exactly the same. Way. I think it's just being an adult. Yeah, it's, it's like being 30. all the all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. All the things that you you don't even need to create a risk factor for. Right. You know, and and having somebody come in and say, I just put my uh, deposit down or, or I got my supporters tickets and I, I talked to the ticket guy and like, yeah, let's do the flares. Let's. And I'm like that level of excitement and energy. That's what I want to capture. And I, that's what we want to capture. But I don't think it needs to be accompanied by this grandiose idea again that you're in a 90,000 seat stadium in Germany and everything's on fire but also like if you want to do smoke and pyro then do smoke and led lights that flash cuz it does the, exactly the same it the thing same it creates the same effect and that's the thing that i loved about the fire fans when they came to cuz we all thought they actually had flares and that was the whole thing is that it made the effect of it it doesn't matter what it is you do, but it doesn't need to be dangerous. There's no reason to bring an actual flare because I've messed around with flares. I'm a redneck. I lived in the country. I've lit flares off at things. It's real easy to burn yourself or somebody else with a flare, and you don't want to get hit with the end of a flare. It's not something that you want to, like, if somebody launches one, out of, you know, drunkenly throws one and hits somebody in the face or the eyes or hits a kid. Do you want to be responsible for that being part of your group? Personally? No, I don't. St. Louis FC. We did a preseason match against Indy 11 and we were at that, that college soccer field in the middle of there. You guys remember yeah. that we did it down and back that day. Yeah. Somebody, there was, I don't know, 30 Indy 11 fans on the other side. Somebody brought a flare. 30 people in the open end of a college soccer field and not even a stadium. Something went wrong with the flare and the guy comes out and his hand is completely burned. Yeah. That's 30 people, 30 adults in an open environment and something went wrong. Right. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. Like to, to me, if you, if you need to use flares and that kind of thing to create an environment and that's what you require, then it says more to me about your ability to create a, a, a loud boisterous environment than it does about anything else. Like if that's what you require, if you need tools and pyrotechnics to create an environment where people are having uh, a good time and excited about the product on the field and, and getting really pumped up, then maybe it's you that's the problem and you need to think differently or do more just different things. And that's my whole feeling on the NGS. Um, <laughs> 
just maybe you should be different. Um, <laughs> do better. To just do better. Maybe don't be trash humans. Um, all right. So let's actually get into show notes because we're about half hour into this. And uh, that's about the time we normally start doing that. Any other final thoughts on stadium things that we didn't really touch on that we want to get back to before I jump? The supporter section is indeed steep. It is very steep. Yeah, incredibly. So it's only, was it two and a half feet? down each row something maybe but it's at an angle that i was terrified to step down a row in because if something went wrong i was not coming back yeah there were no rails like there's right now there eventually will be rails safe standing yeah Yeah. (laughs) eventually there will be rails and it will feel okay but right now there are not rails and it feels fucking terrifying the tunnels are narrow yes they are like four feet wide yeah we we yelled at Seabeck that he's going to need to widen tunnels because quads will not fit through those tunnels. Um, well, and just the, what, 20 of us created, yeah. created a bottleneck coming into the stadium? It's literally one or two people wide. Like, it is yeah. not a... It, I, I think even the tunnels at the Blues and Enterprise Center are wider than that. Yeah, they're that. two and a half, three people. If and, as a section, as a fan group, we don't create a, this one is the in tunnel and this other one is the out tunnel, we are going to have massive bottlenecks all game in both directions and it will be a shit show. So you and I, Zach, yeah. if we stood shoulder to shoulder, we would get stuck. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we would definitely three stooge that. So the Rick, your comment. So there is a stairwell uh, northwest corner, and uh, back in the days when we talked about the march, one of the ideas was that you would come a wrap around the stadium and enter northeast corner. Well, I don't know if you guys saw as we were walking past, there is a very wide, very rather steep stairwell that comes from ground level down to right behind the supporter section. And talking yeah. to a few, talking to a few folks, that is still an idea of this is where we envision the supporters could enter. It's wide, like it's mm-hmm. it's a wide stairwell, but the key is going to be you can't force everybody. You can't think everybody's going to come to that first supporter entrance. Right. Like you got to keep going down yeah. the hole. Yeah, you got to you got to have some organization that, uh, on that. And I, I would have completely missed that stairwell. But Caleb pointed it out because we were talking about the march and everything as, as you know, I was winded from just going up like two thousand flights of stairs, uh, getting down that set of stairs into the stadium totally feasible but again you have those two very small entrances and you create kind of a a a bottleneck there but you know if the grab and go food station is right there there's another opportunity to to save time later because you can just grab your shit while you're there i feel like part of the part of the job of the leaders of the march are going to be you got to keep going you cannot stop at this first entrance to the supporter section like your job is to go to the very end and lead as many people across as possible well and that's that's something that we're going to continue to talk about because there was a very early, a very early release of a, just kind of a volunteer thing for the drums today that I threw out on just the St. Louisian uh, members page. Um, and a lot of that, those types of things are going to be people who can point people out and get ahead of the march and say, okay, you need to go this way and people need to keep pushing further that way. And if you're in section, you know, whatever, keep moving. Don't try and stop here. Keep going that way because if you try and go through here, you'll never get through. So in that idea that there are plenty of roles for people in the larger section of the supporter section, 
thinking about those types of people, just helping move people to where they need to be can be incredibly vital to the overall wellness of the group in general. Especially if we end up entering the stadium or exiting the stadium on that wider stairwell on the West end where we're probably going to be getting a fair number of expensive, maybe corporate, but VIP ticket holders. We can't be gate mingling. We can't be clogging up the thoroughfare into the venue and making life worse for as much as I hate to admit it, the high dollar tickets that really fund this entire endeavor. I mean, they have their own private interests and shit, so they're going to be all right. But uh, just wait for somebody like John Hamm to come over right outside of his suite and just like watch us march down. Well, I mean, and that's cool. John could come hang, uh, hang out, beat a drum whenever he wants. I'm a big John Hamm fan. He can come down, hang out. Uh, but um, yeah, I'll ham it up. <laughs> ham and bubbly. Um, 30,000th person to make that joke. I'm sure. Hey, all right, so let's uh, let's jump into some show notes. Um, so actually on Flyover Footy, which um, Matt might be familiar with, um, Jake talked about his um, journey to St. Louis City SC. Jake B. Jake B. Jake B. from the radio. Um, and I think this is a stew question. So um, he wanted to talk about what each of ours were. So uh, I think I've talked about mine a bit, but if you guys want to hit your how you got involved with soccer and how you got to this point. Any of you. I'll go first and say that Sam dragged me along and obligate Sam to tell his story. (laughs) I like it. He's not wrong. Uh, You were in town uh, from college and AC St. Louis was still around and they were doing their what? two dollar tickets or dollar tickets or something something like that yeah and so i just bought eight of them because that's the most you could buy at a time and i grabbed everybody i knew and drug them out to a game nice and then you just kept coming <laughs> yeah i mean well i mean i yeah you didn't do a lot of lion stuff though right no i soccer supporters culture was not something that i entertained or was interested in really until briefly at ac st louis and then i kind of fell out of it because i didn't know about all the other soccer offerings uh and then it wasn't until st louis fc came back in and how i got into it uh, i man i don't know if i really can pinpoint like a moment i don't know my dad took me to a soccer game when i was real little and i liked it and i played soccer and that was fun <laughs> no i don't know man soccer's always been interesting you know and uh, i always made a point to watch the euros and the world cup and so, you know, do you think you got more into Europe, European soccer before you got into local soccer? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, when I was younger, local soccer to me was the steamers. And that was like, as far as I knew, that's all we had, you know, and then there were the ambush and, and all this other stuff. Uh, so like outdoor, so- live outdoor soccer wasn't really a thing for me. It was, it was always European soccer and these big tournaments on TV watching for hours on end. Cause that's what they were. Uh, and you know, so that always interested me. So like the U S national team was never a draw for me for anything. So I, I never thought to myself, Oh, the U S is playing, I don't know, insert a team we played back then. Like, I got to watch that game. It was always like, nice spain is playing japan is playing like portugal is playing like those are the games i wanted to watch right on matt what about you what was your what was your thing that got you into st louis fc that eventually got you here so the thing that got me into st louis fc was 
an interest in soccer from the 2015 Women's World Cup. Um, I've lived in St. Louis. So I grew up about an hour outside of St. Louis to the west. Shout out to St. Clair, Missouri. Um, but I, I, we didn't have a, a high school team until I was in high school when my buddy helped start it. I was an overweight high school kid who I could not run. I, I did baseball because I didn't have to run. Um, so I wasn't really into soccer at that point. And I would watch the national team games here and there. Became a fan of Arsenal because of the Thierry Henry and, and FIFA and, you know, that kind of a thing. But it wasn't until um, after watching MLS here and there, David Beckham, I, I was aware of it. But Women's World Cup, living in St. Louis, and I started to look into it. Because when I, when I like something and I start to get into something, I really go hard. And no. I know. Right? I don't believe it. I've seen no evidence of this. No, it's it's not obvious. Um, two podcasts in two in two nights, it doesn't show. Uh, I I got the itch. That's the best way I could put it. I got the itch, and I started looking into um to MLS first because I lived in Kansas City when uh the Wizards became Sporting KC. My first ever live soccer game. To Sam's point of not, I didn't never follow outdoor soccer either. My first game was in like 20, 2008 when Sporting KC was the Wizards and they played at T-Bones Park out in Kansas. And I got free tickets from my company uh, who, who owned the, the team. Um, and, and sure, I had a good time, but I didn't really care too much. They weren't too exciting at the time. Um, once I really dove into it in 2015, I became aware of St. Louis FC. And I remember vividly this like weird, awkward thing of during their first year, I didn't know anybody that knew the team. I, I didn't hang out in circles that everybody was a soccer fan. Was, they, they were small circles to be fair. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it was baseball and hockey. And, and so that wasn't a part of my life at the time, but um, it was a friend of mine at work who had a St. Louis FC sticker on his, on his desk at our office. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I, I saw a St. Louis football club. So I, I gained up the courage one day to just say, Hey, what is that? Because I, I just had absolutely no like inkling. And, uh, you know, I saw that they played. I looked online and saw they played and they were teamed down in Fenton. But to me, Fenton wasn't it wasn't professional soccer. It wasn't in my mindset that that's what it was. Um, so he told me he he told me he had a kid who played for Gallagher. And that gave me kind of the story like, oh, they just started up a, a USL team. So then that led into. All right, let's get a ticket or two. So the first year, 2015, I think it was, my wife and I got a, a tickets to a few games, tailgated. We went down and we watched you guys, uh, Luligans, do the march. We saw you tailgate from afar. Uh, we saw the the excitement that seemed to exist there, and it was the what I hope is going to be a prototypical story of you see all these people who are clearly enjoying something that you enjoy as well. But they're just it's it's different. It's like a different feeling, a different vibe to it. We're just like they're partying. They're having so much fun, like outward fun and excitement. And everybody is like, you know, arms wrapped around each other, flags waving. It's and and we saw that I have videos that I looked at on the other day where we're just like sitting in our camping chairs, tailgating, watching you guys walk. And and that just like struck another itch. So season tickets in 2016 started coming to events. That in section eight, nine, and the rest is almost history. Where I was at that point, the guys Mitch and Brad like to refer to as like Luligans on the outside. Like you, you join quote unquote because you're sitting there, you're experiencing it, but you don't, you don't 
do anything really to further the group. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but it's it, it's just being there, showing up. You're showing up and you're making noise without like helping with the tailgate or helping to bang drums or helping to wave flags. You're just showing up and making noise. And that was me for my wife and I for a few years. That's how we got our daughter into it. And then it became like, okay, I want more of this. And so that's kind of how it all just developed from there. Yeah, it's soccer support like anything else that you get deep into that's grassroots, especially at our level, is you start at that, I just want to be around this. And then eventually you realize, oh, people actually have to work to make this happen. And then you realize, oh, I love this enough. I want to do that. And that's kind of what it was, is I had that, I don't know when, what year it was, 18 maybe, but it was a realization that, that it was like, okay, I've been, I've been coming to these games, season tickets for a couple of years. I want to be a part of what makes this happen. Yeah. And so then, helping, helping out here and there, the tailgate, like just saying, what can I do to help was the first thing I remember saying that kind of led into. Yeah. And it's, and I, I think I've told my story before, but I, I won tickets to a Chicago fire game because I was a teacher and I just happened to win tickets to a Chicago fire game. And I went and I was on the far side of the stadium as far away from uh, section eight as you can be. Um, and then I heard them. I heard drums. I heard all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, this section sucks, but that section sounds really fun. <laughs> and so I went and hung out and tried to learn all the Chicago fire chants and then realized that I had Fox soccer on my cable package in the small town that I was teaching in, in the middle of nowhere and knew nobody. So I just watched a lot of soccer and again, kind of dove hard into it. But at the same time, I was always into soccer to me is I like it because of supporters. Like the whole thing I like about soccer is what we do. Like I love the sport. I enjoy watching the sport of soccer, but I love supporter sections. I love a group of people getting together and making a bunch of noise to support something. Uh, just people getting all on board for a thing. Like that's the thing that I enjoy. And so I, I was a teacher and my kids wanted to start a supporter section and they were terrible at it. So I looked at how soccer support worked around the world and how fan sections worked around the world and researched that and told them how to build that. And that's my entrance into this whole thing. And so when the Luligans, when I ended up at AO um, and I'll credit Ryan Smith because Ryan Smith was the first person I ever talked to in St. Louis soccer because I just joined AO because I didn't know where else to find soccer people. So I joined AO and, and Ryan was, I didn't even live in St. Louis. I lived in Edwardsville and I drove to Amsterdam and I didn't know anybody and I was sitting at the bar and I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's supposed to be an AO meeting going on, but I don't know where it's at. And it happened to be outside and it already happened. But then I saw Ryan and recognized his beard uh, when Ryan still had the beard RIP. Um, and, and that was my introduction to the whole thing was just meeting him. And then Sam and I were talking about the, the Dr. Pepper bottle and the, the red stag earlier. Um, I fucked a lot of people up on Dr. Pepper and red yeah. stag. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> But that was my thing. Like, that was how I got into this group was um, just my love of making noise. Like, I just wanted to be around people making noise for something. And, and I never got that in football or soccer or, or baseball or any of that. So parallel to that, 
like just want to get involved. So Malia had bought my season ticket for St. Louis FC. Like we had been talking about and talking about it and she got it for me for Hanukkah. I was like, awesome. Uh, but I was just also one night of Hanukkah. What were the other seven? <laughs> I, I think from her, it was just that. Well, I am. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Sorry, man. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I got this ticket and I know Malia, but there's definitely a bunch of people that I, I don't know and, and won't know. And, and I like generally suck at getting to know people that I've never met before. Like it's a lot of work and sometimes, you know, that's hard to do. Uh, but Dave and Ryan had posted who the drummers at the time had posted that they want to grow the line. Cause we're moving from like AC St. Louis and Lions and all this to St. Louis FC. Do you have any more drums? I was over at Rick's house one night and we we're just talking and about the drums. Like, yeah, that'd be cool. They got this drum line going and the dude just, he just has like a, like half put together kick drum. And he's like, do you, do you want it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I left his house that night with a kick drum and, uh, it's so my first game with everybody was on the berm at, uh, at Edwardsville yeah. and we had that drum and Dave and Ryan took it back and they painted it and they made it pretty. And they're like, Hey, you want to play it? sure why not yeah yeah no and it's like getting involved with those two guys and i i feel like they never get enough credit because they dave still comes around they both still come around but they're not nearly as involved as they once were with the we wouldn't be as prepared or capable in any in any facet no if it weren't for the work that they put in no 100 percent. dave and ryan are the only reason that the st Louis drum line exists and I, I like i said i don't feel like they ever get enough credit um and i i will say it until the day i die the reason any of this exists is because dave and ryan did it um and it's now kind of sort of being the guy that they were at that time it's tough it is a it's a tough gig to try and figure out um, and, and how to do all that. But yeah, I got into this because I love making noise. Like I legitimately got into it for the noise. Um, so then coming back to, uh, a really good, really deep question from Phil that we might not get past, but, um, so Phil asked, how does an SG stay strong and centered or what does a, uh, a level headed SG look like personally? I don't know because I've never seen one. So I, I let me bridge a gap here because I don't remember if we actually recorded this last night on flyover or if it was part of the after talk. Um, We're getting an exclusive bite here. Is this right. post indeed? <laughs> right. So the, the conversation, so, so plugging flyover from yesterday, we did touch on the Detroit city Northern guard situation and um, part of the conversation correlated how the Northern guard implosion of 2021 um, you can compare it to what happened with us and 2019 with St. Louis FC MLS for the Lou, that whole thing because well, that was MLS to STL, wasn't it? Well, so there was that, but there was also more, I feel like it was more front and center with MLS for the Lou because that actually happened. MLS to STL, it was always assumed that it was St. Louis FC that would be moving up. That was always the assumption and never, I don't think it got to a point where that was ever drawn into question because it was Kavanaugh and Edgerly. Uh, with 2019 and, um, well, end of 2018 to 2019 with MLS for the Lou, with the pyramid and everything that happened after that, there was a lot of like 
there, there were some tenuous moments, some some oh, really. What are you talking about, man? Nobody <laughs> made any big deal about that. No, it was tough. It was tough. And no, not somebody in this room. And so it was it was trying not to be tilted. Uh, and when I say not to be tilted, I, I mean. Oh, Zach was tilted. I mean, the, but I mean, the main Luligan account. That's, okay, that's yeah, I think okay, what yeah, we're yeah. I think I think what he's trying to get at the here. the public facing the voice public of facing, the SG. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because because honestly, when you think of uh, other supporter groups, the voice is that those accounts, whatever external people think they they hear from the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams of those accounts. So it's it's Brad and Sarah. Yeah. And the and, reason I need to get off of ours. <laughs> but the the correlation is. We never lost our shit as as difficult as things were, as frustrated as we were, as um, as really like personal feelings be what they are like Brad did. I mean, a phenomenal job of not going like full tilt on what probably every one of us felt at one point or another, because we whatever that situation was, it was bungled in various ways um, and, and it played out as it played out. but. After that, during that, we didn't catch shit then or after from other people. Besides SGS, <laughs> we we didn't catch shit from other G, other SGS because we don't have we being the general luligans don't have um, an attack focused mindset on other SGS. We don't get into other people's business. Like we don't say we don't we don't pick fights. We don't judge other people, and that's what. Un- unless you're Cincinnati. Unless you're Cincinnati. <laughs> unless you're Cincinnati. But, but, but we, we anybody, judge the club. We, we judge the club. But that's that's fair. Like yeah, anybody, no, that's a, that's a very good distinction, though. Anybody you're right. that we go after, and I will even say to as much as the hot-headed asshole that I am, anybody that I go after, I feel like has come after us first. Like, yeah. we are never the person who throws the first punch. But, we, we, will, we will go after you after you started some shit since he always started shit and we all know the other situation but i think oh, sorry uh, yeah our rule number two is have fun and most people if they're slinging mud on twitter or threatening to take it any more intense than that typically aren't having fun otherwise they wouldn't be so angry exactly and to me that's where the line is is staying centered is mostly keeping your shit to yourself and not judging, not slinging shit on other people, because that's where that's where this whole thing came from, in my opinion, with the Northern Guard is they wouldn't have gotten anything near what they got if they kept their shit to themselves. If they didn't have to reach into everybody else's business yeah. with St. Louis, with Sacramento, yeah. with Orlando, with Cincinnati, with every single every other city, every other club that was doing things the way that they were doing it. Because in every city in America, there are nuances. Hey! There it is. There it is. Oh man, man, that's uh, that's got to be what probably fifty five minutes into this. Yeah, we, no, we got you made it. Ten minutes. Yeah, in one one shot, and it was it was calculated. <laughs> uh, you could you but, could see the wheels turning in my head. As <laughs> start collecting your bets now, everybody. But, uh, no, I, I I think you're right. You know, and the the Twitter verse and social media definitely showed that you know SGs keep their receipts good and bad yeah and that's the thing like the luligans for the most part our thing is show up make noise have fun if you come hang out and you bring beer we're cool like 
don't start fights don't spit on people we're fine like and a lot of the a lot of the fighting that happens whether it's between supporter group and club or or between supporter group and somebody they have a beef with happens behind closed doors. Exactly. Like, that stuff's not that's that dirty laundry by and large. You know, you're you're right. I isn't aired in yeah. public. Well, and that's that's why, you know, people will get on us for having a the members only side of it, but that's the reason. Like we we try to keep a lot of our shit internal. We don't there's no reason for everything to be aired out in public because that's not, you don't do that with your family. You don't walk out with, you know, you've got a problem with your fiance and you don't go and, you know, put it on a billboard, which is what Twitter is. You deal with that person. You talk to that person and see what the problem is. Yeah. It's an issue of safe spaces. Ultimately, uh, the Luligans private page is where the Luligans can go to complain about soccer shit and be told, Hey, yeah, look, I get it this is a complaint, but it's not worth airing or this isn't a real complaint. Shut the hell up. Yeah, Shut up, Zach. Nobody cares. And I think the tough part that somebody like Brad has to deal with is, is juggling all the different viewpoints as the public facing voice of the Luligans. So what you, what, what people think of as the Luligans comes from the 10,000 plus Twitter follower account. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where he's careful. I, I, uh, I believe he's careful enough to where he appears centric in the sense that you're juggling multiple viewpoints without putting necessarily your own front and center at all times. 100%. And I, I think that the times that hasn't gone well are the times where there have been big fallouts and we've had yeah. people that have, you know, gone nuclear and, and, you know, held grudges and those types of things. But I feel like we've learned from those and there aren't as many of those situations anymore. So, you know, I, I feel like many of the problems that the Luligans have had have come out of 11 years of learning how to be PR people when a lot of us aren't PR people. I mean, I'm a marketing guy, but I'm not, I was never trained as a marketing guy. I just fell into a marketing job, you know, like I would, none of us were necessarily trained. I mean, some of us were, but a lot of the people who have control of, you know, the accounts of, you know, main St. Lugan pages are not trained PR people. So um, to your point, the fact that we are as level headed as we are has a lot to do with the fact that Mitch and Brad and all of those guys have their own thing where they talk things out and figure out what the message is going to be. And that's communication. If you want to learn how any relationship works, it's, fucking communication um and i feel like that's a lot of it so um and and that's what our communication looks like outwardly and and why we don't get involved in other people's stuff but so then that made me and i i talked about brand earlier um the ngs brand versus luligan brand they're very different they're very very different goals um based off of what we profess we want to be um, and so that does make me question a little bit. What is it that we want to be as an SG? And I think I've made my feeling pretty well known on, on what I hope that we're doing. And I think the, the thieves are doing a lot of that. And I feel like the community cleanup that we were all a part of was a really great start in that. That's what I want to be known for. I don't, I would love to be the SG that everybody loves or, you know, every, I guess everybody hates, but 
I also want to be the one that's known for actually doing good shit in the community and trying to make our community better. That's what I want to be known for. To that end, can we give a quick shout out to the Thieves uh, for their first event that was hosted out of this very building, I believe, just a couple short weeks ago at the time of recording. Uh, They had a really good turnout, a really good product, and a really good day overall and did a lot of good for the greater St. Louis area. 100%. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I have a real hard time tooting my own horn, and I, I know a lot of people won't believe that, but as much as I feel like I do it, I, I don't like doing it. Um, the, the thieves did a really great job with their unhoused initiative. And then as a Luligan collective, how we came together to support the Marquette cleanup was incredible. I think we had twice as many people as the rest of, you know, I think we had as many people from the Luligans as they had other volunteers. We probably had 20 Luligans. And that's not a knock to anybody. I think that's a really good show. Yeah. yeah, A really good showing for a neighborhood cleanup. It's just internal pride of our group. It is. It's, it's 100% being there from the lion's days and being, and knowing that we got kicked out of games and knowing that we drank ourselves stupid at a pavilion and then got on a bus and went back to Mitch and Brad's house to drink more. Like I know where we came from. I wasn't around for AC days. I wasn't, I wasn't here for that. You didn't miss much, but like, I know where we've grown from and it makes me so incredibly proud of, of where we are. And that's why anytime somebody does besperch Luligan name for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, some idiot from the Northern guard who's never done any research on who we are. And they start talking shit about us. That's why I go nuclear because fuck those people. They don't know what we've done. They don't know what we've been through. <laughs> like you don't know me like going, going back to the, you know, the, the basis thing, like what we do and what we try and do for this community, good, bad, or otherwise, and people will always talk bad about us. Um, I, I just feel like we're trying to do the good thing. Yeah, so. well, we we wave a flag every game, right? They hate <laughs> right. us because they hate us. Damn right. <laughs> so then uh, let's try and burn through the rest of these. Um, Keith Smith wants to know, how is bringing other SGs together going? Not well. We've literally well, brought together every I, SG that exists. Yeah. The you know, and, we know and shout, well, and shout out to the newest SG, the Santos. They, sorry, Los Santos. Yeah. St. Louis Santos. I'm super excited to hopefully get more and more. Um, I, I want to say Latinx, but they hate that term apparently. So I don't know what word, I don't know what term to use anymore. Uh, I just want to see more non diversity. Yeah, the word see, you're looking for see, is diversity. I want to see non white people out in our group. Is the, what I want the o- I think the only other place the Luligans can go that is still up is cultural diversity. One hundred percent. We just I just want more people. I want the St. Luligans to represent the city in yeah. which we live. When you so the day we met Caleb, like he said on the last episode, you know, uh, one of the first things we talked about was like. It come a game day after city is off the ground and, and successful and everything's fine. You know, if you're still watching a game and you look at the drum line and the front group of the supporter section and you just see a bunch of old white guys, you know, we've done this horribly wrong. Yeah, we failed. And that's like, that's the thing is I would love to get more SGs in. I understand some of them don't want to be with us. Please start your own thing, please. I would love to work with you. I would love to play drums with you. I'd love to do whatever it is. 
that we can do to work together. I just, I understand if you don't want to hang out with me, I, I don't want to hang out with me. Um, so I think, I think though, to Sam's point of when you look, when you have people watch TV and you see the supporter section, yeah, you don't want to see a bunch of old white guys who are just doing their thing. Yeah. One of the, one of the things to keep in mind uh, that kind of goes back to Keith's uh, question is when people are watching our games and they're seeing whatever uh, like fans from St. Louis or otherwise, I don't, my, my opinion is I don't think they're going to see the supporter section and think um, necessarily that like everybody's a Luligan, which isn't, it, it's neither here yeah. or there to a point, but where I'm going is, is I think whether it's Los Santos, whether it is a, an, a, a hopeful eventual, maybe Bosnian focus group yeah. or however other supporter, because to Keith's like directly to Keith's question, like other supporter groups have not really formed yet yeah. to, to, the organized or uh, they're they they haven't grown they haven't existed haven't stepped up uh, in an organized fashion not saying that they're not working on their own things but it, it hasn't happened yet um i hope it does because what i might what i would love to see is that section um ultimately be a single section that contains various groups whether you're los santos whether you're luligans whether you're thieves boone's brigade or whatever happens and who you identify with most closely like you're going to be a supporter of of the club, and when people see that section, they're going to think, "Oh, that supporter section looks amazing. It looks it looks awesome. It looks fun. There's peoples of all shapes, sizes, colors there, and and that just looks like that that is the model of what I want to see in a soccer supporters group. But when they think of soccer supporter group, what they're really thinking of is the whole section, multiple groups that join together to form the section. Well, and that's and that's really what we're hoping to do. Like. Again, this was never meant to be a podcast where we told people what we were going to do for supporter section. That was never what I wanted to do. I wanted to start a conversation literally of how can we do this? How do we get 3000 people doing the same thing? Um, and I have my ideas of how to do it because I've done it for you know six years with St. Louis FC and I did it at the high school level before then. And I, I, it's the only thing I've ever done very well is, is lead people. So I get a little bit of what it needs to be, but that doesn't mean that the things I think will work will work. And you know, a lot of St. Louis FC proved that. So, um, well, and one of the things I was talking to Seebeck um, earlier was comparing some of the, the U S supporter chants or supporter, like the supporter led um, uh, words and, and songs two things in Europe where there it's it's there's no strict supporter section in in England it's more like fans come up with their things and then you just hear that almost reverberating the entire stadium and to that point it's it, it doesn't have like it doesn't it doesn't really matter who comes up with what but i think the the big call out that i would like to just have to anybody interested in being a supporter or they have ideas or having a say is Literally, all it takes is showing up and just saying something yep. like we talked about how we came to came to have involvement in the Luligans or soccer and or supporters. And it was at the very basis, just showing up and being there. Your story of showing up to Amsterdam and just sitting there because you you thought there was an AO meeting and you yep. just wanted to be a part of it. Yep. Like that's all it takes is at, at the most basic level, just show up. And Saturday is a great example. Like yep. just show up. 
and you don't even have to necessarily like do anything. You could just show up and, and experience the atmosphere at the very least. Yeah. Keep showing up. And eventually, I guarantee you from experience, people will take notice and introduce themselves to you at the very if, if you never introduce yourself to a single person, somebody will go and find you and say, hey, I've noticed I, I, I haven't I've never seen you before. My name is Matt. You know, I, I've saw you at a couple of events or I've never seen you before. Like, do you want to come meet some people? Yeah, that's that's how we operate. That's how we've been operating. And I think that's how things are going to continue to happen to give people voices to influence game to atmospheres. Yeah, 100 percent. And and just however you can get involved, get involved. If you want to be involved, like Sam said, looking for people who want to play a drum. He went and found a drum and started showing up. Rick got invited to a game enjoyed the idea that there was an atmosphere and somewhere he could play drums continued to show up to play drums i was excited that there were a group of us that were playing drums that we could get together and do that every week and that was fun because ryan was a great drummer and dave was a great drummer and we just had fun playing together that's the excitement it doesn't need to be anything more than that it doesn't have to be this grand grandiose whatever that thing is it could just be showing up and doing a thing Show up, make noise, have fun. Um, Fuck right. off. <laughs> <laughs> Too early. Uh, <laughs> Miss my cue? <laughs> Matt, more, what, what more did, nuanced than I, that. I, I do, I, beautiful. Matt, what did you do to celebrate nuance day? <laughs> oh, so when I, uh, um, I, saw, I saw you ask certain questions on Twitter and I wasn't paying attention because I was trying to work and tweet at the same time. But never goes well for me. No, never. So I I was literally about to reply to certain people on Twitter who are like, for some reason, asking questions in my feed. And I was like, why are you asking me these questions? I don't know. I'm just going to answer you. So I had answers all lined up for these people. And I was about to hit send. I realized this was weird that I was being asked questions and I followed it back and realized that it was for the show. So (laughs) glad I didn't just go ahead and do that. I I often we're talking about how just like just like tweeting whenever something comes to his mind. I often have to work my way back up my Twitter wall to figure out where this originated and how I how I I got tagged in it and what's going on. What did Zach do today? (laughs) But I did. I did have a good answer to this one. Um, And it, it goes back to the the piloted yesterday for flyover we were talking about mls as you do as i do and my nuance was that i celebrated was uh i was i self-proclaimed myself last night for the first time and i i think publicly in a while that i am an mls apologist to an extent a large extent don't get me wrong but i simultaneously said don't get me wrong i'm an mls apologist but the way that they have they're running their academy system right now is absolute horseshit. So there's nuance to me loving MLS and then their the way that they do things to an extent, but also accepting the fact that they should not be the governing body of a youth association in the US. I love it. That's my nuance. So and and kind of going back to the the Northern Guard thing and one of the many fires I stoked over the Northern Guard thing. Um, somebody was, you know, talking about how people basically the day St. Louis FC died, switched over to, um, you know, St. Louis city or MLS for the Lou or whatever, Matt. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was living a dual life for long before Look, I, and I, and I don't fault you for it. Like that's, you were, you were born into MLS way before I, 
you everyone knows my feelings in MLS. We don't need to rehash them. Um, I'm not like I'm not that guy. And any any feeling that I give to this might be okay feels like a lie to myself. Like, and that's that's my nuance is that you know we got bashed because our crest has the St. Louis FC colors and the St. Louis City colors because they don't understand symbolism. Um, but the whole point of that is the whole idea behind when I was shittily throwing that logo together was like, it is our past and our future and, and where we move together. And that dividing line is where I sit right now. I sit between where St. Louis FC was and what I loved, everything I loved about that. And the idea that St. Louis SC is on the horizon and I can't get around it. I'm going to be there. I'm a fucking uh, uh, masochist for the sport. Like I'll continue to show up as much as it continues to pain me. I love everything about supporter sections and, and soccer and that side of it. So like, that is my nuance. Like that is, that is the thing. Like I want soccer so bad, but I, I hate that it has to be this. I feel like your continued presence right now is nuance embodied. (laughs) It's true. I continue to try and quiet the voices in my head that just want to bash MLS constantly. Um, So let's move on. Bash MLS, bash MLS, bash MLS. You actually all just heard the actual voices in my head right there. Um, So, um, Chris Dallenmeyer asked a lot of questions I don't have answers to. I'm going to read them all so he understands that I saw them, but I don't have answers to them. Um, any cl- chatter on when the new youth level tryout will be? Matt, you have any idea when that would be? You're uh, the only one of us that would know. The only thing I know is from when it was originally um, discussed the timeline, and I assume youth level tryout would mean the 14s and 15s, which is the youth academy uh levels that have not been started yet and that should be in the spring cool you you have it there first um when will the soccer city soccer clinics start up again i think there was one at our community cleanup thing there was and and so i i assume he means like around the entire region but yeah we i've seen two at dutchtown one when the futsal court opened tim twelman was there with yeah. other city coaches doing yeah. a clinic um Right at, during and during and after, really. Yeah. But also at the cleanup, Dutchtown had another clinic going on with uh, the youth of, of the area, I would assume. Yeah. So I don't know when the rest of that is, but I would say Colia or Alexis would be the people to hit up on those types of things. I don't know 100% they would be the people, but on Twitter, those would be the people I would hit. Um, he said, next futsal court. I did actually ask this question to Caleb today. Uh, Kalia said, stay tuned. So that was my answer. That's directly from Kalia's mouth. Um, I have no more information. The only, the only, there's no in, actual information I know, but the rumor that somebody was putting together on. Uh, Fucking Baker has it, the answer. <laughs> so France Park was called out as a possible location for a couple of futsal courts. And, and where F-R-A-N-Z. is. F-R-A-N-Z. And where is that at Friends Friends Park? Where uh, if we only had small computers in all of our hands. Well, I was he was already looking at it's, it. That's why it's I asked. on the outskirts of the city near uh like Richmond Heights. Oh. Near Maplewood, sorry. 
Oh, okay. Shit, that's where I grew up. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not too terribly far, dude. I, all right. It's, I, it's easier to get to than Touchdown. Look, I yeah, would like, love... That would be just north way... Of, just north of Manchester off McCausland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. That's way easier there. for me to get to. Yeah. All right. Um, I tried uh, to treat it in that the, neighborhood. This is the kid. question that, because I'm uh, a narcissist, this one got me angry. Um, he said, uh, does Cine have any more community cleanup projects lined up? City did never do a fucking community cleanup project. Uh, we did so. Um, he asked the city. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that was well, all. I mean, let's be even more incredibly specific. We we did fuck all, man. That was you. You well, yeah. I and yeah. Look. yeah so uh, hang on. <laughs> when I showed up, because I showed up uh, like nine thirty that morning. Yeah. Because I had to go buy oh, this hoodie. Dude, our dumpster was full by then. <laughs> you guys were making a trip back to the dumpster. I saw you all drive past me. Um, and when I was signing up, the question wasn't, uh, are you with the Luligans? It was, are you with Zach's group? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I, again, I, the narcissist in me always wants to credit the actual human being in me wants just people to know that St. Louis soccer supporters care about our community that was almost 100 percent done by dutchtown and uh slacko which is st louis area community organization or something or other um, great acronym they are fantastic that group did so much for that i basically just showed up and said we would get people there so that's that is all i contributed to it i did a little bit of uh you know promoting it but that's the kind of stuff that that I'm excited about. Um, but City didn't do shit for that. Besides, but, show up. They did show up. I will give them credit. They all, Lexi and um, Caleb. Caleb showed up. Caleb gave his truck for it. Yeah, Caleb. Caleb gave us his truck to help out with the bulk item. One hundred percent. And I will give both of them credit. I don't think that that was. It was not a city mandated. Those people showed up because they wanted to be there, but it does speak volumes to the fact that city is hiring people who want to show up to city cleanup. And yeah. also did show up to the thieves event as well. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you caught it. So when we were we were at Union Station after the stadium tour and we were hanging out and, and the big John Goodman thing in the sky yeah. happened. <laughs> oh, so cool. <laughs> Uh, the John Goodman thing in the sky. <laughs> you tell me a better way to describe it. Nope. <laughs> You're right. It's six o'clock. It's John Goodman time. Uh, Caleb's talking and uh, we're talking about uh, the city and the area and the team and everything. And he, on several occasions, was like, our our city. We've got to do this and that. Yeah. I mean, the guy's only been here for like a couple months, you know, so. They're definitely hiring people with the mindset that this isn't just my job. This is this is my job. This is my team. This is not my city. These are my people. Outside of Caleb, though, most of the people they're hiring are are St. Louis, St. Louis people. people. Yeah, yeah. And again, like hire the best people. Don't hire somebody because they're from St. Louis. But I am excited that they are finding the best people from St. Louis to run this organization because they give a shit about St. Louis. Well, the club's clearly not negating the best people idea to hire policy. I didn't get a chance to really talk to him, but at the Academy game last Saturday, when you were both out of town, uh, I briefly shook hands with a guy from, I want to say like the accounting department or maybe somewhere else in the PR department. Uh, but he had previously worked for the Denver Broncos Yeah, and had a fairly 
important position with our current club. So like they're hiring people who have done this work in the sporting industry and know what's going on. Was this like a, I don't know, 45, 50 year old looking white guy, man, the guy reminded me of my uncle Brian. So I didn't really want to get too close. <laughs> well, so Denver Broncos, I'm fairly, you shook his hand. Very briefly. I'm fairly Would you say it was a firm or medium, <laughs> medium to firm handshake? How big it was, was a strong hand. handshake? <laughs> it had to have been Dennis Moore, the chief revenue officer of the entire club. That sounds feasible. Yeah. Uh, well, well then. Thanks, Rick. It was a Saturday morning. <laughs> but I like, don't remember much on Saturday morning. Wait, have you crossed the, Have you crossed him off your bingo card, Matt? He have you? came to a Luligan event when he was first hired way back in the day uh, at, this, at St. Louis FC. A lot of those people do, and I... I Every once in a while, we get a new follower, and like nine times out of ten, when we get a new follower, it's just somebody that got hired at the club who's been told to follow us. Um, so he like, was the first non like like owner six that was hired, and he showed up to a tailgate. Um, it might have been it wasn't the Stanley Cup, but it was back in like 2019. Yeah, but I mean, they do they show up like, and, and that's something that I'm sure Brad and Mitch impressed upon them very early is if you want to give us get us to give a crap about you at all just continue to show up and it's working like i said uh caleb shows up to everything i will give that dude 100 credit he shows up he shows up every single time whether you know you want him to or not he's going to be there and i like that so um all right last big question just want to clarify real quick we've never not wanted him to show up no yeah i like having caleb around yeah no i (laughs) but i just feel like at some point it's going to work out that way so i just want to want him you guys were having some very um very interesting looking drinks at union station okay (laughs) one they were peach martinis delicious (laughs) and two they were delicious and they were even better with extra limes this is very photogenic segues beautifully into our last question of the <laughs> night, which is uh, Stu posted a, a response to something that Caleb had done to your Spotify playlist this week, Sam. And Stu posted that the Veggie Tales have two notable songs, the Water Buffalo song and the pirates who don't do anything, and I just want to know where Stu is on the hairbrush song. That's that's my main. You know, it's interesting. I've never had a problem with Stu before, but I have a the problem. two songs he posted were not ones that were added to this playlist. So as far as I know, this is all gibberish. <laughs> well, I, we learned that Sam is not a C H R I S T A N. We know that much at least now. <laughs> I can spell it. <laughs> uh. But uh, yeah, I think I think that's basically all of the, uh, the bullshit we have for this week. Anything else you guys want to add before we uh, we wrap this up? No, I mean this this isn't going to drop uh, in time. But I'm oh looking- no, it's going to drop tonight potentially. I mean, <clears throat> depending on how fast Mitch well, gets it out, I'm going to try and get it processed. We'll fix tonight. it in post. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to the City Gallagher. Yes. Um, uh, game. So if this goes out tomorrow, hopefully, again, I don't control any part of it. Mitch is a busy person. He has a life. Don't get on Mitch about not getting this up quick enough. He's, he's doing fine. It. He's tweeting right now. He doesn't have anything better to do. <laughs> he's yeah, doing- but what will he be doing in 20 minutes? <laughs> no, I, the fact that Mitch does any of this shit for me is is uh, saintly uh, to begin with. But um, if you see this by tomorrow night, go hang out at Amsterdam Tavern. There is an AO 
uh, event. There will be a lot of Lugans out tomorrow. There is a an AO and City event. AO, I, I don't care about the City part of it, but there is an AO event. On, uh, okay, they're piggybacking. That's fair. Um, but, but they are there. They will be there. They'll probably have some swag if you want swag. Um, go hang out. I think there might. And they're raffling off a tour of the stadium. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Neat. So you can go do what we just did today, which again, I cannot uh, recommend highly enough. It's anytime you can go get a chance to, to walk around that stadium is going to be a good time. If you care about the app, go for that stadium tour. There's a badge in it for Oh, you. yeah. There is a badge oh, on that app. You care. Oh, that, that's oh, the no, Easter egg on the end of this episode is the fucking badge. Uh, <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I don't uh, care and I got the badge. <laughs> that she's going to piss off so many people who do care and want the badge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, an event on Friday. Um, anybody know what time that game starts? Uh, eight. If it starts at eight, get there two and a half hours beforehand because the Amsterdam is insane. They opened up the, uh, they're using the scooter lot next door too. Oh, good. Great. They, they have to. Yeah. yeah. That, but uh, it is at have, eight o'clock. Okay. US, Mexico. Get to Amsterdam early. Go check out our friends at Locos Tacos. Um, go get a damn burger buy a bunch of beer um, at the Amsterdam. All of those people are great. Please make sure you're taking care of the bartenders there um, because all of them are friends of ours because we're all alcoholics. Um, Then on Saturday, three o'clock, there is a tailgate starting at Fenton out at soccer park. Um, That is for the MLS next, right, Matt? Is that the first like real MLS next meeting or is that is that originally that original meeting already happened between Gallagher and city? Yeah, no, this is the first time they've they've played. And it is there's I mean, honestly, there's a lot on the line for the players, too, because if, if you remember, a lot of city players currently were Gallagher. Players. Great, great yeah. area. Very, very shady. There's, there's a lot of nuances in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and, and there was a lot of nuances on the just the f- staff formations. There's a lot of people that got pulled from a lot of different staffs. So Hughes yeah. and Gallagher. And uh, it will well, be interesting because these are kids who spent their entire time together in the same system, in the yeah. same environment. And then an MLS club comes by and says, I want you, but not you. Yep. And those kids are the guys lining up against each other. Yeah. So Gallagher A team versus Gallagher B team. Yeah. Hey. With, uh, with fuse thrown in. With a couple <laughs> fuse kids thrown in. Anyway, regardless, it will be a good time. There is uh, a bunch of stuff going on that day, though. Tall boy roulette, if you want to bring a tall boy. Uh, the only rule is you cannot bring a fruit beer. I believe everything else is good. It has to be a beer. It cannot be uh, hard tea. can't be any of those types of things. Bring a beer. Um, throw it in, then you get to pull a random beer out of that random beer cart, and then you have to drink it. Um, so that's fun, I guess. Um, and then there's also a garage sale going on. So if you have old Lulligan gear, you can donate some of that. Somebody else can buy it. It all goes to charity. Old so. uh, old soccer uh Jerseys like, or scarves. Like, like jerseys and scarves. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you were a big Bayern fan as a kid and you have this jersey and you're like me and you don't fit into kid things anymore, uh, you know, you can bring that jersey. Maybe somebody whose kid is into it would 
Or if you're like me and bought like seven copies of every scarf that ever happened and then you were going to trade them and then you never traded them because you're an antisocial asshole, then you can go get rid of some of those. And again, a lot of that money goes to It could be way worse, dude. You could have bought all the scarves to trade and it was the Dr. Seuss scarf, which nobody wanted. Or you could buy a bunch of scarves to trade and then the pandemic happened and now you don't have a club and you're stuck with all these extra scarves. Yeah, Who didn't all, want the Dr. Seuss scarf? All of that happened to me. But again, yeah, it was just because I'm anti- Sorry, that was me. That was yeah. a, that was an auto bio. No, I just I just I bought a lot of scarves to trade with people. Then I realized I don't ever talk to other supporters besides Louisville people. So um, and I don't want Louisville scarves. Um, oh, somebody did also ask um, last question. What's our favorite team or our least favorite team that isn't NGS uh, or uh, Detroit City? And honestly, I I, I like not, how you, I like how you couldn't just tell the distinction between NGS and Detroit. City. Well, they uh, on something on Twitter today they claim they're the same thing. So, um, and well, I, a bunch of them are minority owners of the club, right? So they're legally yeah. not. Yeah, so is, so is Donald from AO, and then I instantly less lost respect from Donald from AO. So it's, um, it's it's cute that that partial owners of a club weren't aware of what the club was doing. Oh my god, yeah, or told, hilarious! Or told who the new thirty five percent investor of the club mm-hmm. is. There are there are twenty seven hundred owners of the club that have a total of 10% of the club mm-hmm. thing, which means that each one of them has less than 1% of that club. And that makes me happy because they all feel like they mean something. I'm just so. glad to see the city of Detroit finally climbing back up the ladder. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, all right. So, uh, Hey Rick, you want to uh, find that mallet that you had earlier? Cause I'm going to really, have you I'm I'm really have pushing the limits here on what we uh, won't fix in post. I'm going to have you uh, get us out on that. Um, any, anything else stadium wise, anything else, uh, just say fuck Northern guard and everything they stand for. Um, and I hope they get train, re- uh, just steamrolled through all of USL. Anybody else have anything they want to, uh, add to this? So we've been out of the USL for like one season and I already forgot all the teams down there. I hate <laughs> that's all. No, it, honestly, the only team I hate is the Louisville and it's not, I love that. I actually really like their supporters. I just hate the team because they always win. Was the question, like, which one do you hate besides yeah, Louisville? Yeah. Well, besides Detroit city. And I actually nothing Detroit city. Like I, I've never thought about Detroit city outside of their trash human fans. So, um, well, Sporting KC two still plays in that league. Yeah, I would. Oh, you know Swope, what? Swope is the yeah, only other. But again, SPR. I hate their fucking fans. I don't, I don't yeah, give it's a definitely shit not about the their club. Team. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's not a team that we ever played enough to hate because there wasn't a team that was super dirty. That I like. If you ask me what American football team I hate, it's the fucking Detroit Lions uh, because they're cheating bastards. But um, other than that, I don't have a, a real answer for you. Is Rising Phoenix still winning a bunch of games because they no. paid one aging star? No, they got smoked they by got, somebody yeah, over they got the weekend. Thrashed. Yeah. Well, yeah. damn. There goes my answer. But congratulations to the Birmingham Legion for winning a USL uh, championship uh, playoff game because um, all of the former St. Louis <laughs> FC players uh, continue to have a curse on them. I really, I honestly, I feel terrible for Ciceroni and uh, Dequa and isn't there somebody else that plays on that team? There's like the team that has the most former St. Louis FC players didn't uh, get to play another playoff game. And Hilton, that, is it? No, Hilton, Hilton plays Tampa. for Tampa Bay, who is probably going to win the league this year. Again? Yeah, because, the, uh, yeah, the, they are playing Birmingham and they're going to wipe the floor with Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham had an extra week of rest. though. It doesn't it? matter. Lewis Hilton and 
Dalgard and their entire fucking Tampa Bay team is going to wipe their. Yeah, it's just it's not even going to be. It's not going to be pretty. They're going to get destroyed. Um, good luck, Birmingham. Uh, <laughs> Sam, you want to take us out? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, we said at the beginning, huge thanks to Schlafly as we are up here on the third floor and thankfully Baker was here and smart enough to open the window this time so we can look out and see the stadium while we're talking about it. It's so pretty. It's so, I don't even, I don't want to be that guy, but just, it's a nice stadium. It's a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice stadium. It's going to be even nicer when it's done. Yeah. So, uh, you know, big thanks to Schlafly for having us up here. You know, big thanks to city for giving us uh, kind of behind the curtain peak of the stadium and letting us get down there and see it. Big thanks to Matt Baker for joining us. His t- uh, hot takes are always appreciated. Uh, Matt, quick plug for anything you have going on. Yeah. What other 12 podcasts you want to plug? <laughs> what day of the week is it? No. <laughs> Uh, flyover footy. We just recorded a new episode yesterday. Um, Phil Stewie, Santiago and new member Jake B from the radio. Um, my city SC report folks, uh, check out our website, city SC report. I do a weekly article at this point, just recapping everything that goes on in the past week, uh, city related. Um, they have their own podcast that I'm semi-regular on. Um, yeah, it just and all the other city stuff that goes on. I think uh, regardless of your opinion of MLS or regardless of your opinion of um, U.S. soccer, I think it's awesome to see so many passionate people in St. Louis doing their own thing and just bringing the content uh, that they just want to talk about soccer in St. Louis and St. Louis City. Um, it, it's it's exciting because you don't see that as, as much right now in the actual like paid media. So it's awesome to see so much grassroots excitement from podcasts and websites and social media from all the fans. Yeah. I think we were actually, um, was it Mark from city that we were talking to earlier that, um, was talking about, you know, we don't get a lot of love from St. Louis yeah, media yeah, yeah. in general. Mark, so, uh, Mark and Pierre. Yeah. So, uh, just <laughs> maybe it wasn't the thing we were supposed to give him credit for, but, uh, anyway, um, it's we've we've been fighting for credit in st louis media for quite a while um and the fact that like matt said it's a bunch of people that went out and just wanted to do it for themselves you guys do really great on both flyover and city report um they've got the uh Lou boys fc they've got um soccer capital podcast they've got this is silly there's so much really good grassroot content coming out that you know hopefully that makes up for the fact that the st louis media in general doesn't give a shit about us for sure for sure yeah so um cool yeah so uh you know fly over footy uh city sc report matt baker dropped some good stuff uh he's always got some inside knowledge uh there's some nuance to his game there <laughs> we uh we are on the socials at show up make noise on twitter we throw out questions we love to have a discussion And uh, we hope you guys enjoy this episode and we'll get you next time. Uh, For now, this is Show Up Make Noise. I am Sam. I'm Zach. I'm Rick. And I'm Matt. And we'll see you next time. No second takes.